You're listening to Feedback with Bill Saunders on News Talk 830 WEEU and 830 WEEU.com. A new generation of talk. Sean, what do you say we get the Friday show started today, huh? I think that sounds like a pretty good idea to me, Bill. There you go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Friday edition of Feedback. You're on Air Town Square here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond, 830 WEEU. My name is Bill Saunders, along with Sean Tansky. Our phone numbers here are 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888-401-0459. Our email address is feedback at 830weeu.com. And I've got something new to share with you today. We've got a Twitter account, don't we? Yes, we do. At feedbackweeu. Uh, it's just brand new, just created last night, so it's pretty bare there right now, a couple of tweets, but we'll be sure to uh, figure out how we're going to be using that going forward, uh, but pretty exciting, and we'll have a, our Facebook up uh, sometime this weekend as well, so you could follow us on those two social media sites. There you go. In fact, I have, uh, not only did I uh, post last night uh, what's coming up today, and I'll go over that in a minute with you. But I've got a question on our, our Twitter account, or our X account, I should say. Uh, should Congress be required to pass an annual budget every year rather than these ongoing continuing resolutions? So log on to our X account. Again, as Sean said, it's at FeedbackWEEU. That's our address. And let us know what you think. Again, should Congress be required to pass an annual budget every year rather than these ongoing continuing resolutions. Okay, uh, with that said, let's take a look at what we're going to be talking about today, and it's a jam-packed day for you. First of all, in this hour, Sean is going to start his uh, new segment that he's going to be doing every Friday, where he discusses issues of importance to young people. And today, tell us what the topic's going to be. Yeah, today it's going to be uh, issues uh, that I saw pertaining to the ages of our two uh, presidential candidates or most likely to be the presidential candidates and uh, young people. Some pretty interesting statistics and some pretty interesting uh, stuff I have here that I'm excited to share. Cool, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. We'll get into that in just a minute, okay? At 10 o'clock, Ari Middleman. He's executive director of a group called Keep Our Republic. He'll be joining me for a discussion on what his organization is doing to keep integrity in our electoral process. You'll want to tune in for that. And, uh, of course, if you have questions for him, you can uh, call in with those questions. And then at 11 o'clock, it's the monthly edition of Tooth Talk. Actually, this month we're going to have uh, two editions of Tooth Talk. Uh, today with Dr. Eric Angstad from Angstad Family Dental. He'll talk about uh, dental care through the eyes of worldwide statistics. That is the topic of discussion for uh, Dr. Angstad today, and of course, he too will be taking your questions. All right, with that said, I want to start off with uh, a lighter note here, Uh, especially for those of you who are Phillies fans. I'd like to get your take on this. Uh, I got, I mean, there were, uh, the media is going crazy over this story, Uh, but I chose the one that uh, the morning call is reporting on, (laughs) and I'm talking about the Phillies doing away with their dollar dog nights. You might recall 
uh, I guess it was the last one they did, where fans year, yeah. where fans just got totally unruly. They were throwing the hot dogs all across the place, all over the place. Numerous people were ejected from the game as a result of that. And as a result, the Phillies says, that's it. We're doing away with these uh, dollar dog nights. And uh, instead, they're going to have what? It's a two-for-one deal? Yeah, it's a... Uh... Bogo night, so buy one hot dog, get one free. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not a big fan of that. Boo. Now, the president of their communications spoke yesterday, and he was saying uh, the reason for it was, in addition to all of the video you've seen of people chucking the hot dogs at each other and <laughs> right, whatnot, yes. the lines were equally as bad. It, they were super long. People, oh, I wow. like. There was, I remember. Uh, scrolling my Twitter feed last year when that game was happening. Like, they were there from, like, the first inning all the way to, like, the sixth. And another reason for that is because last year in baseball, they implemented the uh, pitch count, the pitch clock for pitchers. Uh So they had 20 seconds, so that sped up the game. And maybe that led to lines being a bit long, but I don't know. Um, Dollar dollar Dog Night's a classic. I'm going to miss it. It's always fun. Um, Have a ton of fun stories going from there. Going to a couple of dollar dog nights, so I'm going to miss it. I don't, I don't think this is the vibes the Phillies want before starting a new season. That's all I'm going to say. Long lines for either free food or cheap food reminds me of those of us here in radio. Whenever we get free food sent here, I mean everybody just gobbles it yeah, up. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like we've never been fed before. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with free food, and there's nothing wrong spending a dollar on a hot dog. But I, but I take issue with the way the fans acted last year. I mean, it's it's just was not a good uh, image for the city of Philadelphia no. when you've got fans out there throwing those hot dogs at, at, at everybody. Anything, it's just another uh, way. It's another, quote-unquote, black mark on what the national perceptive of Philadelphia sports fans is. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's what it is. They, they just gave them more fuel to the fire. I mean, heck, they still talk about throwing snowballs at Santa. That happened in, like, 1968. <laughs> like, can we get over it, please? <laughs> now, I can understand... I can understand the the national image that the Eagle fans have, the Eagles fans have, because they tend to be unruly regardless. I've been to enough Eagles games to to see it firsthand. Uh, but the Phillies are their fans are typically, you know. I see as calm a, down as they, a Philadelphia sports fan myself. I uh-huh. think it's. I mean, I love all the teams. I'm sure there's so many people like me who think that same way. So I think. I mean, no matter what, it's always like like every time you see something written about the Philadelphia sports fan, it's always they always say Phillies, Philly fans. They don't specify Eagles, Phillies, <laughs> Flyers, Sixers. They always clump them <laughs> under one term, and that's Philly. Oh, so I my. think they're all, we're all the same. And but now, even though they're doing away with the, these uh, dollar dog day, do, dollar dog nights, I mean. Uh, the fanatic is still going to be shooting, yeah, still shooting hot, hot dogs, dog, right? Yeah. He's yep. still going to be shooting yeah. hot dogs into the stands. So it's okay for the fanatic to shoot them at Oh, uh, yeah, but fans, yeah, but the can't fans can't do it. <laughs> Go figure. They spent their hard-earned $1 <laughs> to chuck it at me. Oh, oh my. So uh, I thought I would start off with uh, with a lighter uh, story today and, and get your take on this. If you're, if you're a Philadelphia fan, uh, weigh in on this. I'd love to hear from you. On, uh, on the uh, team's decision to do away with uh, dollar dog nights here. Uh, in the meantime, let's, let's get back to something more serious. And in a few minutes, after the, after the first commercial break, we're going to go to you, Sean, okay? And uh, 
I want to hear what you have to say about young people today. Uh, but an interesting poll is out, one that uh, Bloomberg uh, commissioned, and I got this out of the Washington Examiner. Former President Donald Trump is leading President Biden in seven must-win swing states, according to this poll. This poll shows Trump beating Biden in seven key states likely to decide the election results. Swing states are characterized by swinging between being won by Republican and Democratic candidates, depending on the year. Five of the seven swing states were won by Trump in 2016 and Biden in 2020. North Carolina has the highest support of the former president, with Trump polling nine points ahead of Biden. In Arizona, Nevada, here in Pennsylvania and Georgia, Trump is polling ahead of Biden by six percentage points. Trump is polling four percentage points higher than Biden in Wisconsin. In 2016, Trump won Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Biden was able to swing votes in those states in his favor in 2020. Nevada and North Carolina kept their voting record, voting for Biden and Trump respectively, but by small margins, making them states the campaigns are keeping an eye on. In recent elections, swing states have had small margins, and in 2020, seven states were won by a margin of three percentage points or less. So this poll could turn out to be rather significant, and I know we're still way, way early in this election uh, cycle. 82% of respondents said Biden or both candidates were too old to be president. And you're going to talk about young people and what they think about the age of the candidates, too. So we'll get to that in just a bit. This piece in the Washington Examiner goes on to say, Comparatively, half of respondents say Trump or both candidates were too old to hold the office. Before being asked about the president's age in the poll, more than 1,000 respondents of the nearly 5,000 polled by uh, Bloomberg mentioned Biden's age as a looming problem. Among voters who said they would vote for Biden in November, 7 in 10 said he fit the description of being too old. Biden's age is clearly a sticky narrative that the president's campaign is going to have to contend with. So says Caroline By, who is vice president of Morning Consult. Despite the candidates being four years apart in age, By said that it's clearly stickier for Biden than it is for Trump. Nearly 60% of those polled in this Bloomberg survey said Trump or both candidates would be dangerous in office, with as many as half of swing state voters saying they would be unwilling to vote for Trump if he is convicted of any of the criminal charges he now faces. Hundreds of people polled prior to being asked by pollsters about Trump's criminal cases brought up the charges. The border is a key matter in voters' minds. A majority of those polled believe Biden and congressional Democrats are responsible for the immigrant crisis and surge of entry at the border. Blame for Trump and congressional Republicans for the immigrant crisis increased five percentage points from last month's poll after the failed bipartisan border bill. Interesting information that came out of this poll. I'm going to hold on to this one uh, and see if it, uh, if it continues to hold throughout the entire election cycle. All right, our phone numbers again are 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888-401-0459. As I lost my voice there for a moment, I apologize. And when we come back, Sean's going to share with you his new segment, which we don't have a title for yet. 
Maybe we should have a poll. What's it's a, it's a work in progress right now. Uh, let's not. <laughs> let's do a poll. Let's ask people to, to name Sean's yeah, new this, segment. This would be a good way to promote our Twitter and Facebook. Okay. There we go. Yeah, there we go. I'll put that on. Yep. I'll put that on Twitter. Yep. All right. And and in the meantime, we we already have a question. On, I keep saying Twitter. I'm sorry. On X. I could tell you nobody calls it. Yeah, I know it's, they it's don't. It's still just Twitter, especially people my age. Come on, Elon Musk. Put it back to yeah. Twitter, will you? <laughs> but the question that we've got now on our brand new Twitter account, I'm just going to say, say Twitter, the heck with it. Should Congress be required to pass an annual budget every year rather than these ongoing continuing resolutions? Let me know what you think. All right, we'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to Feedback. You're on air town square here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond. News you can use. I feel more informed when I listen. News Talk 830, WEEU. The Voice, 830 WEEU weather. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU. The voice of Burks and Beyond. Welcome back to Feedback, your on-air town square here on The Voice of Burks and Beyond, 830 WEEU. Our phone number is here at 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888 888- Four zero one zero four five nine, and Sean, I just put uh, a new post on our uh, on our Twitter uh, page here, uh, asking people what we should name your new segment. So we'll see. Uh, so we'll see what they say about that. That's, That's uh, good. I'll pin that one to our profile, so that'll be oh, the there first tweet they see. Okay. Until we figure this all out. Until sounds we good to me. All right, sounds good to me. So two posts now. What should Sean name his new segment dealing with issues of importance to young people? And a question for you. It's a yes or no question. Should Congress be required to pass an annual budget every year? rather than ongoing continuing resolutions. And again, as Sean pointed out earlier, a new uh, Twitter account is at Feedback, W-E-E-U. All right, well, that said, uh, let's uh, hand things over to my new producer, Sean Tansky, for his new segment on what's uh, what issues are of importance to young people. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, so for my first Feedback Friday segment, uh, named to be decided later, uh, it was pretty easy for me to figure out what I wanted it to be, and that's the stark age gap between people my age and the potential and most likely candidates for president. As many of you know, back in 2017, Donald Trump was the oldest pres- president to be sworn in at his inauguration at 70 years old. That was broken four years later by our current president, Joe Biden, who was 78 back in 2021. If Trump wins, he'll be 78 when sworn in. President Biden would be 82 if he wins re-election. I will be 24 years old when this election comes to pass. There is a 54-year age gap between Trump and there is a 58-year difference between myself and President Biden. That age gap is older than my own father. I have talked with my friends as well as doing some research and talked to other people around my age. And this was really one of the things that we discussed a lot um, and things that, you know, sort of I don't want to say bothered, but definitely is a bit apprehensive about this upcoming election. And they're not alone in this uh, process. So according to a study uh, 
taken by pewresearch.org. This is a really good website that Bill actually uh, showed me to. I've, I've been, I've, this has probably been my most searched website and most uh, thoroughly researched website. Uh, younger adults are more favorable than older Americans toward president being in their 30s and 40s. Really? About half, 48% of adults under the age of 30, says it is ideal for a president to be in their 30s or 40s. Only 6% of adults over the age of 50 share this view. By contrast, older, older adults prefer a president who is in their 60s or older. For example, 41% of adults in their 50s or older say they prefer a president in their 60s or older. Only 11% of adults in their 30s or younger say the same. Wow. And again, this is done by PewResearch.org. They're a really good website for all of this. And another thing I want to bring up is um, the past couple of presidents' age at their inauguration. This is taken from uh, POTUS.com, the president. So Joe Biden was the oldest at 78. Donald Trump was the second oldest at uh, 70 years old. Then Ronald Reagan was 69. Those are their top three. <laughs> and at the time, we thought that was old. <laughs> yeah. The youngest uh, at the age was Theodore Roosevelt at 42, John F. Kennedy at 43, and the most recent uh, one of my life is uh, Bill Clinton, who was 46. Mm -hmm. uh, other notable ones, um, Barack Obama was 47. Uh and George Bush was 54. So George, I, George W. Bush? George or W. George Bush. W. Yeah. Okay. So All right. The presidents of my lifetime, I was born in 2000. So just. Oh, shut up. <laughs> so just <laughs> at the end of Bill Clinton. And then for my first eight years of life, it was uh, George W. And then Barack. And then uh, Trump. And now Biden. Mm -hmm. So of my lifetime, I've seen a president as young as. 54, because um, I remember early, I remember George Bush, at least his second. I was going to say, his, I didn't think you'd remember Bill his, Clinton. <laughs> I, no, but I, I remember George Bush. I remember some things of George Bush's second term. Okay, um, all right. Then Barack Obama, I was. I remember most of it. And then Trump, and then Biden, I remember all of that, obviously. So it's just uh, interesting. And now another thing I do want to point out is, like anything, I realize that there is bias involved with uh, all of this, and, and especially in people's opinions. For example, some of my friends that I have talked to as well would have voted for Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders back in the Democratic primaries in 2020. Mm -hmm. Sanders was 78 during that election process, and he is a year older than President Biden. Right. So, yeah, while age is certainly a big factor, as you could tell from that research, from uh, Pew Research. It also is perhaps we don't like the candidates that are most likely going to be our represent, repre representatives uh, for um, president. So I just found that interesting. While it is age, it also could be a big thing, too. It could also just be we don't like – we're not big fans of who's going to be running. So that was all what I found for my first segment here. Um, Boy, that's a lot. I, yeah, I would love to know, callers, if you when you were my age and tw uh, twenty three, what was your opinions of people who were running back then? Like, did you like who was <laughs> running for you? Did you have uh, were you pro for someone 
or did you want someone closer to your age being running? That's that's really what I want to know. I wonder if this is like, you know, every generation, do they have an issue with how old people are in government, or is that just like a new wave thing, a 21st century Gen Z millennial thing? So that's that's what I, I'm pretty interested to find out. Well, I can uh, I can go back to uh, when John Kennedy was elected uh, and how uh, enthusiastic the country was to have a young president at that point because we had come out from uh, uh, Ike uh, Eisenhower, uh, Dwight Eisenhower at the time, and uh, and with Kennedy, it was this whole new thing, and and uh, the the whole idea of Camelot is what they named uh, uh, the White House yeah. uh, because of the young president at that point. So that comes to mind. Uh, so youth was an important thing back in the 1960s. It it. Uh, it, it seemed to rejuvenate the country, yeah. uh, as far as my memory serves. Um, but every president uh, during the time that I was old enough to vote for, I really didn't think about age, to be honest with you. And, and maybe it's because I, I'm such a political junkie that uh, I've always viewed uh, their issues as opposed to their personalities or, or their age. Um, this year, however, it's different. And I found it interesting what you said that people my age and older tend to t- tend to uh, want presidents who are older. I don't feel that way this year. I, I really, and I've said that repeatedly here. I don't like the two major party contenders. I, I would prefer that we get somebody else, somebody much younger. So I, I agree with young people. I I definitely think we need young blood there, yeah. and not only in the White House but in Congress too. Yeah, so for people in the ages of 50 to 59, 54% uh, preferred candidates in their 40s to 50s. Mm-hmm. People in the ages 60 to 69, that drops down to 48% for 40s and 50s. Okay. And people 70-plus, that drops down to 42. And actually, for a 70-plus, it's 42 in their 40s and 50s and 42% for 50s and 60s. Gotcha. Yeah. And... They are the highest, uh, that 70-plus uh, percentage also think uh, that's the highest percentage of 70s and older at 5%. Okay. All right, well, we're starting to get some calls in. Let's see what you think. Give us a call. Let us know what your thoughts are on what Sean shared with you this morning on his very first segment on uh, young people and the issues that they uh, feel are the most important to them. Uh, 610-374-8800. We're toll-free, 888-401-0459. This as the Friday edition of Feedback. Your on-air town square continues in a bit. Stay with us. Serving Collegeville, North Wales, King of Prussia, and all of Montgomery County. This is News Talk 830 WEEU. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and beyond. Welcome back to Feedback on this Friday morning. Go to the phones in just a bit. Got some people who want to weigh in on uh, what Sean shared with us a few moments ago. But I got an email uh, from Randy in Reinholds uh, in reference to the uh, Dollar Dog Night 
uh, story that we talked about at the top of the hour. Uh, and uh, Randy, <laughs> who is a 55-year Baltimore Orioles fan, I won't comment on that, Randy, but anyway, he says, may I remind you of the Philly fan embarrassment back in 1999 when fans were displaying their adamant displeasure with J.D. Drew, who had decided not to sign with the Phillies and went with the St. Louis Cardinals instead. Their preferred form of displeasure was chucking batteries at J.D. Drew when the Cardinals visited, uh, visited Veterans Stadium on August 10th, 1999. I did not remember that incident at all. So I only know of that because recently a similar situation happened with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh -huh. uh, their highly touted prospect, Cutter Gautier, uh -huh. drafted uh -huh. highly to the team, uh, pretty much ignored every try uh communication with the flyers he said he did not want to play here right flyers traded him away they got back jamie Drysdale, who's been a pretty good player for them so far this all happened uh, earlier this year ever since that end all flyers fans not happy with cutter gotier uh, so they're all like, oh, it's another J.D. Drew situation. Um, <laughs> I don't think we'll be throwing batteries at him, but I understand. Look, look, look I love my Philadelphia sports teams. Yeah, I'm I, see always, with, I see you with yeah, your I'm Phillies my jacket Phillies, on. Yeah, yeah my Phillies uh, sweatshirt today. I'm always going to defend us. But, yeah, there's some things that we shouldn't be too proud of. But I'm going to make the argument that I promise you, Every single fan base has done something bad. It's just the fact that it's Philadelphia that that that, that throwing snowballs at Santa has stuck with us. It stuck with my dad throughout his entire life, and I don't think we're ever going to shake that narrative. So oh we're always going to get the <laughs> blunt end of the stick there. Now we're not a we're not a sports talk program, uh, but I thought that I would uh, start off on a lighter note today with that story about uh, uh, Dollar Dog Night and and the Phillies' reaction to it. Uh, Either way, we'll take your responses again if you'd like to call in and share with us. Let's go to the phones. Sue in Schwanksville there in Montgomery County wants to weigh in on Sean's segment. Sue, good morning. Welcome to Feedback. Yeah, good morning. So, yeah, it was very interesting listening to Sean speaking there. And uh, his question was, you know, uh, for your listeners, you know, when you were 23, did you vote for someone or were you interested in voting for someone who was younger? And I will tell you, when I was 23, it was 1973, the Vietnam War was still going on. And I can tell you that my voting, so to speak, um, was less about the age of the person running and more about the politics of the person running. To give you an idea, I think when I was 73, I was living in a tent. I was a hippie at the time. And my political views have changed 180 degrees since then. And I will tell Sean that as you get older, and you work and you acquire assets and you, um, you know, get a home, have a family, that sort of thing, your view on politics changes radically. And you do vote, um, you know, according to what's going to be best for your pocketbook issues. It has less to do about the age of the person. As he did point out when he said that a lot of people were for Bernie Sanders, even though he was an old guy, too. It's more about the policies that you expect out of them than it is about the age of the person. So do you think, uh, Sue, do you think the media is making a, a big uh, a big thing out of nothing here regarding Biden's and Trump's ages? Oh, um, you know, there's a world of difference between Trump and Biden. And they may be in the same age category. But as a lot of people have pointed out, and, and I think Marie, when she called in the other day, made a good point of this. It's not the age, it's the 
cognitive ability. You know, when someone appears to be vigorous, can speak for an hour and a half without notes, and seems to be in command of themselves, doesn't fall down all over the place, you know, they lend you to feel confident in them. When you see someone stumbling all over the place, they don't know how to get off the stage by themselves. They have to have notes even when meeting with people in private, and they mistake the president of Mexico with the president of Egypt. You know, these things get people's attention. So that has that speaks more to a cognitive issue uh, than anything else. And let's not forget that, you know, Joe Biden had two aneurysms. And I'm sure that that had something to do with, you know, the apparent cognitive issues he has. Until we have a test of those abilities, we don't know whether he's just, you know, doing brain farts when he talks or if he really understands what he's doing. So I think it's more about the cognitive abilities that they display than the actual age. And I think it's good to have someone who's had some life experiences under their their belt. If we had a president that was in their 30s, I'd be very nervous because I don't think they have enough life experience to understand how their policies might impact older people who have done all the work already. And yet the Constitution says what about uh, age? Uh, that uh, a minimum of what, uh, 35, 36? 35, yeah, 35 is the minimum, yeah. <laughs> and, and you think that that uh, is too young? Well, it seems awfully young to me, but if you think about back then, people didn't live as long as they do now. True. You know? Well, that's true, too. In fact, yeah. when, when I was growing up, uh, if you were 30 or older, you weren't trusted. You know, I mean, that's, exactly. that's, that's the way my that's the way my generation thought of people who once you hit 30, oh, you're you you're, we don't trust you anymore. And I think there was a motto like that. There was a phrase, you know, don't trust anyone over 30. So, you know, well, you talk about you talk about Biden and uh, his forgetfulness. Uh, Trump's critics would point out that, uh, first of all, uh, Trump couldn't remember the name of his wife and he named Nikki Haley uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, well, you know. Yep, that was a one-shot deal. You know, I, I've seen Trump in person, and um, that guy can speak for two hours straight without checking his notes and not and not make any glitches at all. So, you know, there's a world of difference between those two guys. And the media is trying to make a big thing out of that one deal there, the, the Nancy Pelosi, Nikki Haley thing. They're trying to make a lot of hay out of that, but trust me, there's no comparison, and you're rank-and-file human being out here knows it. You know, there's a big difference there. Sean, did you want to weigh in on what Sue said here? No, I was just curious if, so the age minimum requirement's 35. Uh, do you believe there should be an age limit of how long you could, like how old you could be to run? Like, do you think there should be a cutoff of how old you could be to stay in office? I don't think so. I mean, I think it has to do with, honestly, you know, they go through physical and they should also go through, you know, cognitive tests because there's lots of them out there. And that's why we have a 25th Amendment. Now, we, we do have term limits for presidents, you know, which we don't have for senators, and we should have. But, um, you know, so I think that if someone fails a cognitive test, maybe they need to step down. But I don't think that there should be any age limit per se because I know of a lot of people. Uh, you know, when I was younger, you didn't hear of anybody living into their 90s. But these days, a lot of people are living into their 90s. And they're in really good shape still, too. I know of several who are in their 90s who are sharp as a tack. You know, there, there's a guy who works right here at WEEU who's in his 90s and is sharp as a tack. Jack Holcomb. Yes. For sure. Yeah, and you, 
and you don't want to rob us of of the the benefit of the wisdom of those folks. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I think that there should be some testing. I think it shouldn't just be physical. I think there should be some cognitive tests. I really do. I know it seems invasive, but you know, and um, you know, the whole thing about uh, you know privacy and all of that is one thing. But, you know, when you're going to be the president of this country, and it's not just this country, look at how much impact they have on the rest of the world. Oh, absolutely. You know, they really do have to submit themselves to that, because I know a lot of people that are frightened to death at what they see in Biden these days. Really, it's scary. All right, Sue, thanks for weighing in. I appreciate you taking the time to call today. Yeah, and good luck, Sean. Very good job. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly with him. All right, uh, Sue, thank you again. Uh, I, w- I want to share this with you before we uh, go to our next commercial break here. Carl Rove has an interesting uh, op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal today uh, titled Battle of the Weak Incumbents, and, and it dovetails off of what Sean was talking about. Uh, Carl Rove writes the following. This year will be only the second time a former president faces the man who defeated him four years before. The only other occasion was back in 1892, when Democrat Grover Cleveland challenged Republican President Benjamin Harrison. In a way, both 1892 and 2024 are contests between incumbents. But both Donald Trump and Joe Biden seem determined to erode the benefits that incumbency brings. Mr. Trump's team is correct that he'll probably clinch the GOP nomination by late March. They're also right to begin focusing on the general election. But the primary should alert them to a major problem for Mr. Trump. He still has work to do among Republicans. In Iowa, 49% of caucus goers voted for candidates other than Mr. Trump. In the New Hampshire primary, nearly 46% went for another Republican. In South Carolina, a little over 40% voted against Mr. Trump. And in Michigan this past Tuesday, Nearly 32% said no to him, according to the latest count. Compare these with Mr. Biden's performance. A little over 96% of South Carolina voters in the Democratic primary voted for him. He won New Hampshire as a write-in with almost 64% and received over 81% in Michigan. Those are an incumbent's numbers, writes Mr. Rove. Even more worrisome for Team Trump should be that at least two in ten Iowa and South Carolina voters said they don't or won't support Mr. Trump in November. Roughly three of ten New Hampshire GOP primary voters said the same thing. If Republican defections this fall from Mr. Trump are anywhere close to those numbers nationwide, he's cooked, writes Mr. Rove. Mr. Trump may be unconcerned because he thinks, as he said when one stubborn Republican congressional leader finally endorsed him, they always bend the knee. But this is a democracy, not Game of Thrones. He must convince Republicans to go for him. They can stay home if he doesn't. Republicans are hardly unified, so it wasn't useful for a key Trump lieutenant to ridicule Ron DeSantis after he endorsed Mr. Trump as a sad little man who will be remembered for chicken fingers and pudding cups, or for the campaign to dismiss Mr. Trump's remaining challenger, Nikki Haley, as irrelevant and not newsworthy. It's particularly unhelpful for Mr. Trump to threaten on Truth Social that anyone who contributes to Bird Brain Haley's campaign will be permanently barred from the MAGA camp. Some Haley supporters could take that as an invitation to walk away from Mr. Trump, never to return. Who could blame them, writes Mr. Rove. 
In politics, for every action, there's an opposite reaction, often weaker and sometimes stronger. Team Trump's jeering may be irritating enough to provoke the latter. It won't be enough to get her the nomination, but Ms. Haley still has real Republican support. Her campaign raised $1 million from small donors the day after her South Carolina defeat. The crowd at her Sunday rally in Troy, Michigan, celebrated as if she'd enjoyed a big South Carolina win. Mr. Trump has work to do uh, has work to do to draw her supporters into his column in November. A calming and unifying tone doesn't fit Mr. Trump's style, but he can cut down on his belittling of other Republicans. He should act like a leader rather than a small-time character assassin, or at least aim his shots at the other party. While Mr. Biden's primary path has been much easier, there is trouble in the returns for him, too. In 2020, 539,263 Democrats turned out for South Carolina's primary, but only a little over 131,000 did so this year. In New Hampshire, almost 299,000 Democrats voted in 2020, but just Oh, just, sly, uh, just shy of 124,000 this year. In Michigan, over 1.5 million Democrats showed up in 2020, but this year, 767,000 by last count. Certainly, some of the drop-off is because there's no real Democratic presidential nomination fight, but it also could be because of the lack of Democratic enthusiasm for Mr. Biden. Many Democrats believe he's too old, weak, and uninspiring. These include groups that were overwhelmingly for him in 2020, younger, black, and Hispanic Democrats. Mr. Biden's public appearances reinforce the perception that he isn't up to the job and make it hard for Democrats to get enthused. While answering questions about the border and a Gaza ceasefire on Tuesday, Mr. Biden was licking a giant ice cream cone. He looked less like the commander-in-chief than a great-grandfather indulging his sweet tooth while giving the kids an after-school treat. That reminds me of a caller who called into the show and was uh, concerned about uh, the image that that presented of Mr. Biden with that uh, giant ice cream cone. Stagecraft is only one of Mr. Biden's shortcomings, Rove writes, and hardly the most serious, but this kind of thing adds up. He concludes by saying, both men are presidential incumbents, with all the potential strengths that implies. But one keeps disrespecting, possibly alienating, important elements of his party, while the other keeps highlighting his own weaknesses of style and substance. What a campaign we're in for, writes Mr. Rove. That appears in the Wall Street Journal. Again, Carl Rove with a piece titled Battle of the Weak Incumbents. Well, we're out of time now. Perry, I'm sorry I didn't get to your call. Uh, we're going to go into another segment here uh, during the 10 o'clock hour. But you're more than welcome to call in on Monday with your with your uh, take on uh, on the issues of the day. And meantime, we're going to take a break here, and we'll be back with more of feedback in just a bit. Stay with us. Serving Bethel, Hamburg. Birdsboro, and all of Berks County. This is News Talk 830, WEEU.
Welcome back as we kick off our number two of Feedback. You're on air town square here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond. News Talk 830 WEEU. Good morning, everyone. I'm Bill Saunders along with Sean Tansky. And our phone numbers here are 610-374-8800. We're toll free, 888-401-0459. And our email address is feedback at 830weeu.com. Well, right now uh, on uh, the line with me is my guest, Ari Middleman. He is executive director of a group called Keep Our Republic, and we welcome him to feedback this morning. Ari, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, good morning. Thank you for the opportunity. Sure, it's my pleasure. So share with us. Tell us a little bit about Keep Our Republic. What's it all about? Uh, Sure. Uh, I should say, by the way, uh, about 25 years ago, I was growing up in uh, the Lehigh Valley, so spent a lot of time sitting in traffic uh, on 222 in Berks County. Um, uh, I'm sorry to hear uh, that. <laughs> but have a lot, a lot of fond memories of uh, uh, the Reading Phils and uh, uh, the minor league hockey team uh, as well. So um, congratulations to the uh, girls basketball team that we heard before uh, before this clip. Um, we, uh, we were founded. We're a nonpartisan nonprofit uh, focused on civic education. Founded uh, in the spring of 2020, which seems like a decade ago now. <laughs> um, and uh, our work is uh, uh, certainly in Pennsylvania, but also in Michigan and uh, Wisconsin. And look, we know that every day uh, Pennsylvanians have questions about how their elections are administered. And um, you know, little by little, county by county, we're just hoping to uh, demystify that process. Now, your website says that uh, the group Keep Our Republic is uh, a nonpartisan effort. And and it its members include both Republicans and Democrats. Am I right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, one of the uh, the folks who was instrumental in our founding was Governor Tom Ridge, uh, for example, but also um, Congressman Dick Gephardt, who uh, uh, was the majority leader uh, for the Democrats, ran for president as a Democrat. So um, I, I I don't know that anyone could accuse us of being uh, hard right or hard left or having an agenda other than, as I said, really just trying to demystify uh, election administration. Now there are, if I, if my memory serves me right, based on what I've read on your website, there are several, just a few states that, that you folks are, are looking at uh, in, in forwarding or in uh, furthering your efforts here. Share with us what those states are. Uh, absolutely. Um, so Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And the reason for that, uh, Look, I, I think the Keystone State's going to be the Keystone. It's going to be ground zero. We're already seeing um, uh, uh, all sorts of ads and uh, candidates uh, uh, hitting the doors even. Uh, it's going to be a busy 248 days, not that I'm counting uh, ahead. But also Michigan and Wisconsin are um, uh, incredibly uh, uh, close uh, every four years. Um, but also when you look at these states, um, there's been – uh, changes in the legislature and how elections are administered. Um, there's been lawsuits in the court system. Um, so it's just, it's just abundantly clear uh, that, that uh, the voters in these states, number one, they have an outsized role in determining the next president and the eyes of the world are on them. But number two, um, there's just a lot of questions because there's been a lot of changes. Um, that being said, when you really get into the weeds, mm-hmm. which is what we do, uh, uh, what happens uh, during the election period, I never like to say election day, but before, during, and after uh, election day, it's, it's actually quite different. Uh, and as we know, it's, it's up to counties 
um, to administer elections, and the processes and the stakeholders involved in PA are different than, than Michigan and Wisconsin. So um, I'll just pause there. But e- even if we had a limitless budget, which our nonprofit doesn't, uh, we don't have an appetite um, to get into a place like a Georgia or an Arizona because, as I said, it's really nuanced um, about uh, about the post-election periods and uh, stakeholders involved as you go state to state. I'm talking with Ari Middleman. He is executive director of a group called Keep Our Republic. Ari, with all of that said, uh, so that our audience gets a better sense of of, uh, what your group is all about, share with us what the positions of uh, Keep Our Republic is or are. Well, I I don't want to get into semantics, but I I don't think we have positions. We're not advocating for anything in Harrisburg, for example, um, uh, or or, uh, in Washington, for that matter. Um, Our only position um, is really uh, trying to assist um, uh, journalists like yourself uh, and then everyday Pennsylvanians, in this case, uh, or Michiganders or Wisconsinites, to uh, understand the transparency, the integrity, and the oversight that goes into election administration uh, in the states. Now, your website states, in view of the events of January 6th of 2021, we must not allow a failure of imagination to leave us unprepared for this array of risks. Uh, share, give, give us some more meat on that. Uh, well, what does your group mean by that? I, I think that it's abundantly clear. We we heard a snapshot of this uh, also uh, uh, during the break with, uh, with with the ABC newscast. Uh, we're, we're we're living in increasingly fraught geopolitics. Uh, we have adversaries overseas, uh, be them in Iran, be them in uh, Russia, China. Uh, unfortunately, the list goes on. That are not democracies. Um, they're dictatorships. Um, free and open conversations with journalists like, like we're doing right now, uh, the ability for listeners to call in, that, that, that's not allowed uh, in, in those three countries and other countries around this world. Um, but we should anticipate, and it pains me to say this, that our adversaries, um, they, they want Americans to hate other Americans. They want us to distrust uh, this process that we've held dear for over two centuries. Uh, and they want us to be distracted you know, they want Q4 of this year and, and, and even the beginning of 2025 to have Americans uh, uh, not having our eye on the ball. Um, but, you know, I, I do believe, as President Reagan said, that we're a shining city on the hill and we need to keep shining. We need to be at the top of the hill. Um, uh, and, yeah, I, I, I think that folks, even fans of President Biden or fans of President Trump, uh, would hopefully agree that. What unites us in that regard um, uh, is, is stronger than what divides us. Are you, uh, regarding the the, the uh, comments that uh, that Donald Trump and others have made uh, about election fraud, where do you folks stand on that? Uh, is there is there ample evidence of of voter fraud in this in this country or not? Well, once again, I. I, I I can only speak to, and, and even that, I would not profess to be an expert um, uh, on on recent years in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. I, I can't speak to, to, to Georgia and uh, uh, discussions uh, and innuendo that might be happening around what happened in Atlanta, uh, Arizona, uh, and, and, and elsewhere. Um, what I can say is that those are, that are involved with us um, 
uh, as you mentioned at the top, uh, you know, come from both sides of the political aisle. Um, many of them have a legal background, uh, retired judges, um, uh, retired U.S. attorneys, meaning federal prosecutors, uh, retired state Supreme Court uh, justices, um, and in the case of Pennsylvania, uh, former Governor Tom Corbett's quite active with us. As folks remember, he was uh, attorney general and U.S. attorney before that. At the end of the day, what our founders set up down the road in Philadelphia was a republic of laws, right? And mm-hmm. that everyone's entitled to their day in court, but you need evidence and you need facts. And that rule-based order um, that the rules apply to, to, to everyone, uh, but, and you have the process to appeal, um, I think we saw uh, pretty clearly in the Commonwealth that, that um, litigants um, and many times uh, in that post-election period, November, December of 2020, just did not have facts. That, that, that's not me saying that. that that's, that. that's our judicial system. And Ari, is your group looking for uh, volunteers or, or donations at all? And, and if so, uh, how can people get in touch with the group to say, hey, I want to I take part in this? Well, I appreciate you saying that. Like any nonprofit, uh, uh, certainly we won't turn down donations, although um, I'm not on here to actively solicit uh, donations. But our website is keepourrepublic.org. Um, that, that comes from, by the way, uh, a line that Ben Franklin uh, reportedly mentioned down on um, Fifth and Chestnut Street in Old City, Philadelphia, when they were wrapping up the Constitutional Convention, and a woman said, what are you all doing in there? Uh, you've been in there all summer. And um, uh, he said, ma'am, it's a republic if you, meaning you know, everyday Pennsylvanians, can, can keep it. Uh, in terms of how folks can get involved, um, it, we, we, we do not work uh, for, uh, we do not directly coordinate with um, Berks County government. Uh, but I do know that Berks, we, we've got a primary coming up in the Commonwealth on April 23rd. There's certainly the general election I mentioned just uh, 248 days away, and my understanding in Berks County is they have um, yeah, they have upward of uh, 1,200 uh, uh, folks they need to find um, to uh, uh, you know to be at the tables manning the polls, um, and and uh, I, I I I don't have a sense if they found all 1,200 people, but in traveling uh, extensively across these three states, uh, what I continuously hear from county government is more and different and dare i say younger people uh you know ready to sign up for the day and uh get a few hundred dollars for their service uh um that's that's always needed and ari with with uh, our primary coming up uh here in in april uh in the state of pennsylvania uh does your group have any concerns about what might take place in the primary this year is is that one of the reasons why pennsylvania is one of the states that uh uh, that uh, you folks are looking at, or no? Uh, I, I wouldn't use the word concern, um, but we do know, for example, just last November, uh, which uh, unfortunately, I would, I would use that term unfortunately, uh, was, was a relatively low turnout uh, for the judicial races, for county-level school board races, you know, uh, and such, township. Um, you still had upward of a million Pennsylvanians vote by mail. Um, and this, 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 this ability to vote by mail um, has always been there, uh, but it was, it was just kind of a drip, 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 where people had to 
attest why they needed an absentee ballot. Um, but when the legislature, Republican-controlled at the time in 2019, uh, allowed and, and did significant changes to election administration, uh, we just saw significantly more Pennsylvanians voting by mail. So why do I say all this? Because I think we should assume um, that that as each election be it primary, general, odd year, even year continues, we're going to see more and more Pennsylvanians utilizing that, voting by mail. Um, and uh, uh, that being said, pe- people have questions, you know, and, and lar- largely one of the questions I hear when myself and colleagues are traveling around the Commonwealth is, well, you know, what happened? I used to sit with my, my children or my family on Tuesday night, and we used to know who won. Uh, and now it might be Wednesday lunchtime or uh, even later. Um, and part of that um, is, is, is what we're doing. Um, is, is, as I said, I use the verb demystifying, but just trying to explain to folks about uh, what's called pre-canvassing and the inability for the good folks in Berks County government. Um, they, they, they just cannot physically open those envelopes until Tuesday morning. Um, and a place like Berks County, where there's about 260,000 registered voters, um, it, we, we, we should assume that that's a lot of envelopes to uh, uh, to open, in addition to processing uh, the data from uh, upward of a thousand electronic voting machines. Now, I believe I got this off of off of your group's website. Uh, so let me read this to you. The goal of Keep Our Republic is to raise awareness concerning perceived potential abuses in the American electoral system, particularly in the electoral college process in presidential elections. It goes on to say, the civic creed of the organization is let all eligible voters vote. Let all votes be counted. Let the vote count stand. Uh, it sounds to me like like your organization has a concern uh, that uh, certain people's votes won't be counted. Am, am I interpreting that correctly? I think it's uh, it is it is a correct interpretation. Um, I. For the first time in our nation's history since 1876, um, which is uh, ages and ages ago with everything that's happened in uh, global society, um, but there was a real question in the post-election period of 1876, uh, where uh, it was Hayes versus Tilden for any uh, history geeks listening, Um, and uh, we saw this again in the post-election period um, in, in, in 2020. Uh, there were real questions, uh, and it was kind of a crash course in civics education about um, uh, the Electoral College. And we do not have a position, and your listeners can lament that we still have an Electoral College versus popular vote. Um, but we saw, um, and I, I, I understand that there's, there's still litigation happening about, quote-unquote, alternative slates of electors and the role of the legislature um, and something called a governor's certificate of ascertainment and getting into these nuances. But at the end of the day, I I would hope that all listeners and all Pennsylvanians can agree that, number one, it's it's pretty disgusting, the the hundreds of millions of dollars that inevitably are going to be spent um, uh, on – the airwaves at the, the 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 mailboxes on our Facebook feeds, et cetera, in the months ahead. But when all that's said and done, regardless of how many people come out and vote, the process is that there's an electoral college, 
And that Electoral College needs to meet in Harrisburg on December 17th. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, as I alluded to at, at the beginning of this, we have foreign adversaries. We've seen what mass civil disturbance looks like, you know, large, large protests um, and civil disorder in the streets. And God forbid that happens in Harrisburg, but it does get us into very interesting legal questions. It's an electoral college reflecting the will of the voters. The majority of voters of the Commonwealth uh, uh, is unable to meet. Or if there's a man-made issue of trying to offer an alternative slate of electors uh, as we had those those legal questions in uh, 1876 and 2020. Ari, has the Electoral College, and I hear what you're saying, but I, but yeah, I want to get... hopefully I'm not muddying the water. Hopefully I'm not going too uh, uh, deep into uh, dark rabbit holes here. No, 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 no. Uh, but but I but I want to get your take on this. Have we gotten to the point where the electoral college has become antiquated, and should we consider the popular vote as the means of of determining who our president is? I I, I would say this. I mean, I this is not a position of 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 our nonprofit, but. I think, as I said, I grew up in Lehigh County, um, and and I remember in 1992 and 1996 and 1998 even, um, uh, you know, in 2000, most definitely, I mean, having, I remember distinctly President Bush coming, at the time Governor Bush, coming to Kutztown University. I don't think if we had a national popular vote, that George W. Bush would have come to Kutztown University. Um, I know that more recently there's been presidential candidates that have come to downtown Reading and Wyomissing and elsewhere. I don't think that would happen if we had a national popular vote. You know, I've, I've spent time with this organization in places like Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for example, or Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, if we had a national popular vote, I mean, the way I look at uh, our, our incredibly diverse country is I would just hang out and probably Chicago and Los Angeles and Miami and New York and, you know, maybe Philadelphia, places like this. My guest this morning is Ari Middleman. He is executive director of Keep Our Republic. We welcome your calls today. If you have any questions on what we're talking about here, our numbers again are 610-374-8800 or toll free, 888-401-0459. We're going to take a break right now. uh, And Ari, when we come back, I want to talk to you about the Something that uh, our governor, Governor Shapiro, uh, has just launched uh, called a, an election security task force and get your take on that. Don't know if you've heard about that yet because it is it, it has just come out. But hot, I, hot, hot off the presses, but uh, glad uh, that's something. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to Feedback. You're on air town square on this Friday morning here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond. 8.30 a.m. WEEU. Stay with us. Serving Paoli, Glenmore, Coatesville, and all of Chester County. This is News Talk 830, WEEU. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU. The voice of Burks and Beyond. All 
Welcome back to Feedback on this Friday morning. Here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond, News Talk, 830 WEEU. And my guest this morning is Ari Middleman. He is Executive Director of Keep Our Republic, and we welcome your calls this morning on the topic. Uh, Our phone numbers here are 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888-401-0459. And Ari, before the uh, commercial break, uh, I mentioned to you that uh, Governor uh, Shapiro here in Pennsylvania has just uh, announced that he's launching a brand-new task force Uh, And it's going to be titled Pennsylvania Election Threats Task Force. And according to the governor, it's designed to share information and coordinate in the fight against threats to the election process, voter intimidation, and misinformation about voting and elections. Now, this sounds similar to what your group is doing. Is that right? Um, You know, I'm just, uh, I think like all Pennsylvanians and the public, and I was glad to see that it got even national media attention and diverse outlets. Um, I'm, I'm just just unpackaging it because uh, you know, this has only happened in the last uh, 24 hours. Um, what particularly caught my attention uh, with this task force, I should say, by the way, we, we there was something similar that was launched uh, in recent months in, uh, in Michigan, um, uh, is, is the phrasing, uh, election threats task force. And I think that is alluding to what um, what we know that we there's there's foreign adversaries uh, that that do not like our system of government and they want Americans to hate other Americans and distrust the process. That's good for business for them. And I think all of us, you know, we should have U.S. pride as we approach our 250th birthday, and and we, we should trust the process, as uh, 76ers fans say. But um, in addition to the phrasing that the governor's office chose. Um, the engagement, uh, really whole of government, to have National Guard uh, um, at the table as this task force is going to be convening, emergency management professionals, homeland security professionals, uh, folks from a legal lens, from the attorney general and general counsel's office, um, and then also the leadership uh, from the county commissioners association. Um, so, uh, in other words, folks that uh, have a whole variety of perspectives. And as far as as far as your group is concerned, one of the goals I understand it is to raise awareness concerning perceived potential abuses in the American electoral system. Elaborate on that. How how does your group do that? How do you raise awareness? What what uh, activities? What efforts are underway to accomplish that? Sure. Why don't Why don't I give you uh, just just two two examples uh, right in close proximity to Berks County and you know. Hopefully, uh, with any of your listeners, we can work together to do similar uh, if they think it merits it in Berks County. Um, last, uh, I could say last month, we're now March 1st, uh, but just uh, three weeks ago, um, we had uh, retired uh, Third Circuit Judge Tom Benaski come down from Scranton. We had former Governor Tom Corbett come all the way out from the Pittsburgh area to Allentown. Had about 55 attorneys um, active in the Lehigh County Bar Association. Uh, give up their lunchtime to spend uh, uh, quality time getting a crash course in what's called the Electoral Count Reform Act. Uh, that was a bipartisan piece of legislation signed into law in December 2022. Uh, and happy to take any questions and go into the weeds about that. But engaging the legal community, because we know that Pennsylvania was uh, the most litigious state in the union um, uh, after the 2020 election cycle. Uh, I'll give you another anecdote. Um, on February 8th, uh, we had 
I don't know, we must have had about 215 people or so uh, in Lancaster um, at uh, the beautiful Ware Center uh, at Millersville University uh, down there on Prince Street. We had uh, County Commissioner Ray D'Agostino, um, uh, Vice Chair, Majority Commissioner, um, uh, along with the retired federal judge, uh, John Jones, uh, who's also active with us. Uh, he's, uh, uh, was on the Middle District, appointed by President Bush for many years, and other panelists. Um, and that was um, uh, just proactively allowing Lancaster County to explain, um, uh, once again, transparency, integrity, and oversight of how Lancaster County administers its elections. So a little less legal in nature, um, but an opportunity for uh, diverse county residents to, to come out, spend the evening, um, get some refreshments on us, and, and just have an open conversation. So two examples of, of the types of programming we're doing across PA, uh, and for that matter, the other two states. Um, and my understanding is this this task force, as important as it is, I don't think they're going to be doing that kind of proactive public education programming and convenings. We found out uh, when uh, New Hampshire held its primary uh, that there was an example of the use of artificial intelligence uh, in robocalls. That's pretty scary. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, in this particular case, uh, uh, the uh, robocall imitated uh, Joe Biden's voice and was, uh, if, if my memory serves me right, it was uh, basically encouraging voters not to come out and vote, if my memory serves me right there. W- what is your group's take on, on artificial intelligence and what, what are you doing to, to try and combat that particular threat to our election process? Oh, we could spend uh, we could spend many hours talking about that. And as we're talking, uh, the technology is evolving uh, at rocket pace. Um, I would also point out that a native daughter of Berks County, Taylor Swift, uh, uh, also had an unfortunate incident earlier this year with just completely altered artificial intelligence uh, uh, imagery. Um, so I think we should anticipate a lot more of this. Um, it's important also for folks to realize that this is like the, the the year of elections. There are more people around the world voting um, than, than ever before in, in human history. Um, to the extent we can count it as an election uh, in Pakistan, you had folks go to the polls. Um, that was a wash, like a wash in uh, uh, just completely manufactured garbage videos. Uh, led to uh, uh, all sorts of violence, uh, and that was just a few weeks ago. Uh, Indonesia was a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I really don't want to make this uh, 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 all about foreign adversaries, uh, but I am deeply concerned. Um, and we have Moldova voting this year, Lithuania, Croatia, Romania, uh, you know, folks right there on the doorstep of Russia, um, which has incredible computing power and, and, and technology. Um, uh, so, I, I, look, I think I'll say this to be positive. I think we all quickly learned when we got email accounts uh, 20-some years ago that, that there aren't Nigerian princes. Um, you know, they want your bank account uh, for ulterior motives, and you shouldn't reply to those emails. And that, that, that scam and short order kind of went the way of the dinosaurs. But I think we all need to, as we learned after September 11th, if you see something, say something. You know, I think we need a healthy amount of skepticism if we start getting robocalls or um, 
we're seeing videos that that that, that uh, uh, raise our antenna. But unfortunately, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of this garbage. And um, you know, I don't. I, 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 I'm not a technologist, but I, I, uh, I'm just saying that I think it's an iceberg that we see on the horizon here. Ari Middleman, Executive Director of Keep Our Republic, is my guest this morning. And Ari, we've got uh, uh, a listener or two who have a question for you, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, but right now we're going to take a commercial break. And when we return, our phone numbers here again are 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888 So if you have a question for Ari... Feel free and, and give us a call. We'll be back with more of Feedback. You're on Air Town Square in just a bit. Stay with us. All the rest. And next to you, I'm even better. Serving Myerstown, Fredericksburg, Newmanstown, and all of Lebanon County. This is News Talk 830, WEEU. Welcome back to Feedback. You're on Air Town Square. My guest this morning is Ari Middleman, uh, who is executive director with a group called uh, <laughs> Keep Our Republic. My goodness, I lost my notes there for a minute. Ari, forgive me for that. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of people on the line who want to talk with you. But first, I have an email from someone who is listening to you this morning. It's Jack from Reading, and he says, I didn't hear the beginning of this hour. Uh, but he says, I thought I heard him say they need 1,200 volunteers to work at the voting polls. I'm in for volunteering, but where do I start, writes Jack. He says, who do I contact to get on the list for the Reading area? Ari, do you know the answer? Well, Jack, uh, I'll, I'll um, tell you, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's 1,200. You got that right. I'll tell you the phone number. I, I pulled it up because I assume this might come up. It's 610 478 Six four nine zero. That's the uh, Berks County Government Center Election Department. And uh, Jack, you uh, uh, you're, you're a bit off. It's not a volunteer. Uh, my understanding is you could make two hundred fifty-five dollars. Uh, um, but I'll let the folks at six ten four seven eight six four nine zero tell you more about the process. Very good, Jack. Thank you for your email. Appreciate that. And with that, let's go to the phones. Hear what some listeners have to ask you. Let's start with Tony in Exeter. Tony, good morning. Welcome to feedback. Good morning. Um, um, to your guest, I would like to ask you, um, this voting that we do now, we always had a one-day voting, election day. That's the way it always was. Now it's uh, voting month, voting week, voting two, three weeks ahead of time. There is no more just one-day voting. All this early voting that's going on, I would like you to you know, touch on that, give me your views on that. And I also want to ask you... Um, Today, you can't question anything about voting. If you question anything, uh, you're a doubter or you're uh, making waves or whatever it may be. But I also would like to ask you, in the past, in the past election, there was a lot of questionable things going on, and certainly it's water under the bridge now, but I get a chance to talk to you about it. They stopped the count, for example, and then they came back, and then the, the vote was altogether different. The, uh, the uh, numbers were all, all screwed, all, all differently. And then also they were in Philadelphia, were putting cardboard over windows. How do you question this thing? 
They would not allow poll watchers in um, so many feet away. It, it's so much going on that you forget all that has happened in the past. But there has been a lot of questionable things going on with voting now. Do you think that um, the voters can be confident that their votes are not being tampered with? Also, there has been video, and it's been on the news in different states. They have people on video that were stuffing ballot boxes. How do you put an end to this? How do you deal with it? It's something that never happened before. All right, right, Tony. All right, let let, let me answer your question. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Tony, uh, I would say, uh, first and foremost, that questions are the hallmark of a robust democracy. Um, And there's too many people around this world that are not allowed to ask questions. They have no ability to have conversations with their government. Uh, If they attempt to do that, um, they very well could be in prison or worse. Uh, So I don't think there's anything uh, such as a bad question. Um, I would also uh, uh, just uh, point out that we are a republic of laws, um, and uh, what was passed in a bipartisan manner by Republicans in the majority at the time in 2019, who were elected uh, as part of the Berks County delegation or uh, as part of the 203 members of the General Assembly, um, that's the law. Uh, and if, if you and others have concerns about that, um, then I think most definitely folks should be uh, focused on primary races and, and, and uh, the general election for state house and state senate. Um, and for that matter, um, there's definitely elements that are being debated, um, perhaps not as robustly as they could, um, uh, in modernizing, I'll, I'll use that verb, election administration in the Commonwealth. Um, it seems like maybe there isn't a little momentum in Harrisburg about that, but you know it's a full-time legislature. It's one of the most active legislatures of the 50. Um, it's certainly one of the highest paid of the 50, and uh, you know I think there's there's questions that you should be having with your state rep and state senator um, about about some of this. Uh, lastly, I would say we're, we're I believe we're the most innovative country in the world, um, uh, but none of us is a time machine. Um, you have questions about the 2020 election, but we've got 248 days um, to to try to make sure that everyday Americans, people from both parties, um, you know, they, they, they believe, and I believe, and it, uh, I truly believe it's the truth, that there are tried and tested systems, and the election that's going to happen, that the whole world's going to watch uh, on November 5th is safe and secure. Tony, thanks for your questions today. I appreciated the call. All right. Uh, Ari, earlier this week, we we talked about a poll that was taken in a number of uh, Democratic countries. And the results were rather chilling in that it it seemed to indicate that uh, the, let's just say, the enthusiasm for democracy is waning. Uh, But it also indicated that people are becoming very concerned about the quality of, uh, of our leaders today here in the United States, as well as other countries that, uh, that still maintain democratic uh, forms of government. What's your take on that? Well, I'm not familiar with that specific poll. Um, I've been blessed to travel uh, and work um, uh, abroad uh, extensively. And, um, you know, sometimes It, 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 it's, an, it, it's an excellent question. I, I think sometimes we just take things for granted, right? And mm-hmm. then I'll just give an example because we're coming up on 
the anniversary of all this happening, right? I mean, no one ever stopped and thought, and maybe this is a, a weird example, but no one ever stopped and thought, like, okay, you go to the grocery store, you go to the dollar store, you go to Costco, whatever, you're going to be able to find toilet paper. Well, the world, you know, not, well, I don't know about the world, but certainly in North America, we quickly found out when the pandemic started, like, about supply chains and where toilet paper comes from, you know, just things we take for granted, mm-hmm. um, you know, like in, back in March of 2020. Um I'm just going to reiterate the what we're doing right now, having a conversation that no quote-unquote authorities are listening in on or censoring and your ability to put this on social media and the ability for Jack and Tony to have questions and, and, and have conversations and schedule meetings with Berks County government or with um, uh, Senator Schwank or whoever – Upward of a billion people around this world do not have those luxuries. Uh, we just take for granted that, that this is the way it's been through our lifetime, but I don't think we should take anything for granted. And uh, the reason why I bring that up, uh, in a section on uh, your group's website, they have a, an article from Politico from this past January. Uh, the headline reads, these voters will pick the next president. They're frightened about American democracy. And, and apparently this, this poll was taken in Nazareth, not too far from here in, in Pennsylvania. We're- yeah, right, right north of Bethlehem. Um, we, we worked with Muhlenberg College uh, and one of their great um, uh, researchers there uh, put together a first-of-its-kind focus group. Uh, so not uh, you know, an accurate scientific poll with hundreds, uh, but um, my recollection is it was 15 everyday Northampton County residents, uh, young and old, male and female, um, big fans of President Trump, um, big opponents of President Trump. Um, and, uh, um, you know, my one takeaway uh, from, from that gathering, uh, which was the first week of January, and I, I, I still remember it now, uh, is that everyone in that room was deeply, deeply concerned uh, about political violence. You know, they saw um, the, 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 the streets of Philadelphia uh, and other big cities and college campuses in recent weeks uh, since October 7th, of just how, how, how hot they've gotten, how nasty they've gotten, um, assaults on law enforcement, uh, defacing the Lincoln Memorial. Um, there, was a, there was a whole back and forth about that, and if that constitutes political violence, and then certainly a discussion about the 6th of January, 2021, um, and that, that was that was really sobering. Just everyday Pennsylvanians, uh, whether or not they uh, are Democrats or Republicans, um, just have have this deep concern that that we're going to have violence in the coming months. And I think all Americans and all listeners would hopefully uh, um, say, "No, we cannot have that in our backyard." Ari Middleman has been my guest this morning. Can't believe the hours come and gone. Uh, Ari is executive director of Keep Our Republic. And Ari, uh, share with the folks uh, the website for your group. Well, it's just keepourrepublic.org. Uh, um, and uh, as I said, we're doing events uh, um, all across the Commonwealth. We have yet to do anything in uh, uh, Reading or Berks County, but we've been uh, we've been in the immediate region um, and, uh, and in Allentown and, and Northampton County and Lancaster. So we'd 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 love to come on down. Thank you so much for the time you shared with us today. Love to have you on the show again sometime soon. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. All right, thank you again. Take care. That'll do it for this episode of Feedback. To comment on the show, you can email us at feedback at 830weeu.com.
You can also hear our show live from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern Time at 830weeu.com or on the TuneIn app. For producer Sean Tansky, I'm Bill Saunders. Thanks for listening.